Hi everyone, before you start listening to my podcast with Anna Richards, in the excitement I mentioned that the Super Series was in Canada when in fact it is in San Diego as I well know, so just to rectify that and really hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, sorry it's a bit short this time but we were a bit restricted with time but um, hope you enjoy listening and look forward to catching up with you all again soon. Cheers, bye. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Lisa Bird-Burgess and with me for the podcast today, I'm really excited and pleased to welcome Anna Richards all the way from New Zealand. Anna is one of the most accomplished women's rugby players that I've had the privilege to play against, stay with whilst on tour to New Zealand with Saracens and also recently coach with when she was the head coach of the Barbarian squad that played against England in the historic doubleheader alongside the men two weeks ago at Twickenham. During her illustrious playing career, she has represented the Black Ferns um, over 49, sorry, 49 times um, over, a, over a period that spanned 20 years, um, winning four Rugby World Cups and playing in five. Um, Anna has also been inducted into the Rugby Hall of Fame and, and captained the women's Black Fern Sevens. Now retired from playing rugby, I'm looking forward to catching up with Anna and finding out what she's been up to in her coaching career. Anna, how the hell are you, girl? Hi, I'm really good, Bertie. Uh, just trying to chase my tail a bit and catch up, but things are good. Things are good. And have you recovered from um, your travel over here to, to England for coaching the Barbarians? Well, I have I have recovered, I think. I did a massive amount of travel in a, a very short amount of time, and I think my body's still trying to figure out where the heck I am in the world. Um, Anna can you give us a brief overview of your coaching career Um, you know kind of how you got involved in coaching once you stopped playing and and where you're working now Um, look I suppose I started coaching um, when I wrecked my knee back in uh, uh, 1999 so I ended up coaching my club side for that season while I was rehabbing my knee and then it kind of went from there. So I coached my club team from 99 through to 2013 um, as a player coach in the last couple of years as just a straight coach. And then in between that time, I uh, coached a few uh, school teams in the Auckland schools as well. And then once we, I finished these, coaching... Um, sorry, Anna, were, these, were those when you were coaching those sides, were they... Um, Women, girl sides or boys sides? Yep. Did you do? Did you do both? Yeah, what, so what do do? all all women's sides apart from I did uh, do. I coached my nephews' teams from when they were like three till ten, so oh, that was gosh. always fun with the boys. Bless them. Yeah, I bet that was. And and how different was it coaching the Barbar squad to other teams that you've worked with? Oh, um. I suppose the time frame is the biggest difference in that, especially the first game against America, we um, all arrived in on a Tuesday, trained Wednesday, Thursday, played America on the Friday and flew out Saturday. So trying to condense everything into two days of training is a bit difficult. And I mean, in the end, all you do is you just give them some basics and try to get them to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, and um, and how difficult was that with the kind of players that you had? I mean, that's that's two days you're talking against putting a side together to play against an international team, which you actually beat us, beat America, didn't you? Yeah, well, we beat them the barbarian way in the last play of the game, thirty four, thirty three. You can't ask for much more. Um, Such an exciting, <laughs> last last kick you said of the game, amazing. Yeah, last play of the game was awesome. Thank you, Jasmine Joyce. 
Um, <laughs> look, the Barbas is a real pleasure to coach because all the girls are international level. Um, and they're they're all usually um, experienced, so you don't you don't need to coach them much. It's just about giving them a few processes and giving them a great experience and letting them express themselves. Absolutely, and that's in the, totally the spirit, the spirit of the barbarians rugby should be played as well. Um, so, if you had you if you had a, bat, a top batting order of things that a coach new to rugby needs to learn, what would your kind of top three points be to to give towards a new coach? Um, I suppose the biggest one is communication. And then the one after that is understanding human beings <laughs> and understanding that not all people are the same, so they react a little bit differently. They learn differently. Um, and, yeah, so you just got to kind of understand that, uh, try and understand individuals a little bit better. And then I suppose the third one is be very organised. Absolutely. Um, and that goes, with, I say, with the, going, following on from that then, how do you deal with tough situations on the training field when things don't go quite to plan? When I'm on the training field, I don't. I like to kind of stick to um, a timeline. So if things aren't working, I don't really have a problem with just stopping and going somewhere else because um, there's no point flogging a dead horse sometimes. And you've got to realise sometimes things really work well on the training field and sometimes they don't so you gotta um you gotta know when to fold them yeah and that's really important for a new coaches that are starting to um you know take a new take a side forward it's knowing when to actually stop rather than slogging something to the death like you said um that's really important um and if you had your time again um what would you do differently in terms of your coaching career um what you know what would you change what's worked what's not I, I don't think I'd change anything because that's how you learn. Like, you learn from your mistakes. So I say, you know, a loss or a mistake is probably the big, the biggest way to learn rather than a success. So, um, and, yeah, I don't think I'd change anything. It's, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of heartache sometimes as well, but, you know, it's great. And talk us through what you've done in your coaching career. So you've been out in um, Hong Kong as well and, and Japan. How, how different was that to coaching over in New Zealand? Yeah, it was, it was different but kind of the same because your players pretty much the same beast. But uh, I finished playing and I, I um, coached at an Auckland level for sevens and fifteens for a couple of years. And then um, Hong Kong asked me to um, apply for a job to coach their Hong Kong sevens team. And I really didn't want to leave New Zealand, but it was such an amazing opportunity. And I went over there and it was a huge learning curve from going from two trainings a week to a full-time program. Um, but I couldn't have asked for a better place to learn. Um, really, really great girls, great, great rugby union. And I was based out at the Institute of Sport, which had a lot of bells and whistles. So yeah. <laughs> had a lot, of, a lot of bells and whistles in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong itself is, I can't, can't um, say enough about it. I loved, loved living there. So it was a really cool place to go and have my first real coaching job. Brilliant. Sounds amazing. Amazing country. And what, what, um, what's the playing structure out there for girls? I mean, what, what's the setup with regards to how they play out there? Have they got how many leagues? Uh, you know, because there's only eight million people in Hong Kong, and, and not a lot of people play rugby. Um, and they're the number one thing is education. So, 
it's kind of difficult retaining your talent because a lot of the talent will go overseas to university. So um, the union are doing a great job trying to get the local uh, Cantonese schools into playing rugby. The problem with that is most local Cantonese schools have only got like half a basketball court on the top of a roof as a playing area. So um, difficult things to do, but, you know, the rugby union does a huge job in um, promoting women's rugby there. They they have a lot of underage um, teams, uh, a lot of competitions, university and club, and then they've got the uh, both the women's 15s, sevens team, and the men's sevens and 15s is professional as well. So it's a pretty cool setup. Yeah, it sounds, definitely sounds it. And and that ties me into the next question, really. The women's game now is growing at such a pace. Um, you know, do you think we're playing the right sorts of competitions to improve players? You know, we, we, we've talked here in this country about, you know, the Lions being set up, the Super Series is happening over, over in Canada this year. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? What do you think on that? I think, you know, there's a couple of teams... Um, the English have gone professional, New Zealand semi-professional, I think the same with uh, France. But we've got to be careful that, you know, two or, two or three teams don't go way ahead of the others. And, uh, you know, you're seeing England playing a huge number of matches, same with all the European teams, a huge number of matches, whereas there's a lot of other teams, say the Pacific Island teams, who could actually be quite good at rugby, but they play once a blue moon. So I think we've got to get a little bit of parity. I think what the uh, World Rugby's done, they just recently had that uh, Asia-Pacific competition with Fiji, Hong Kong and uh, Samoa. So I think that's going to be on an annual basis now. They've just got to help some of the other unions get there and play. You know, Australia has very few matches. Um, I remember one uh, World Cup cycle um, where we went into a World Cup and we'd had seven test matches since the last World Cup and England has had 42. So it's hard to get parity when that happens. So I think the, uh, the World Rugby really needs to work on uh, local competitions, Asia-Pacific, um, also uh, the Americas and, you know, I don't think that South South um, Africa play that uh, too many either. Yeah, and that's that's kind of reflected as well, obviously, in your career, you know, a playing career of over 20 years. Um, you know, you played 49 times during that 20-year period. Yeah. You know, I, I can only... Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's crazy, really. And yet, you know, obviously played in five World Cup finals and, and won four of them. So, you know, it'd be frightening to think about, you know, what could happen, if, you know, if you guys could play <laughs> as often as, yeah. as we could in the... In the northern hemisphere, there's certainly um, lots to talk about. But go, go on there, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think um, things are getting better for New Zealand. The NZA, you have really invested a lot of time and money in the, the program, especially with contracting the players. Um, and they're they're getting six test matches this year, which you know we only used to have one or two a year, so it's uh, increased. But you know we want it to get a little bit better than that. Um, this. Uh, super series that they're having in America at the moment it's going to be great you know that's almost the top five nations in the world playing there so it's very exciting 
Yeah, de oh, definitely. Looking, really looking forward to watching that and what that tournament brings. Um, yeah, I know the Eng the English girls at the club I coach. They're, they're really excited about going out there to show what they can do. So, yeah, and all those games are being streamed as well, which is absolutely fantastic as well for people to watch. Yeah, I think too the media the media can help a lot with the growth of the game and and covering it and giving a bit of parity in the in the news with men's sports. Yeah, there seems to be a big drive at the moment on that. I mean, the women's, um, you know, uh, World Cup that's on at the moment, that's attracting a lot of media coverage. But still, again, the games are on quite late at night. Are you getting coverage over there of that as well in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, there's coverage here. Um, you've got to have Sky, but there is coverage. Yeah, again, you've got to have Sky. So it'd be great for the television companies now to make that kind of um, not, you know, as ring fenced and make sure the whole population can access them as well, which hopefully will be the next step forward. But it's interesting, like I heard that the French women who were in their training base just prior to the World Cup, they were um, they had to leave their training base to make way for the men's team who had a friendly. So they're, they're there training for the World Cup and the boys um, supersede them for a friendly. So I, I, you know, I think I mean, things like that, that need to be looked at. Yeah, and that goes back to the parity in the home nations and world rugby, really taking that on board to make sure... That doesn't happen for the women to progress as they should. Um, but, yeah, and it's, uh, that's sad to hear. But what, what's next for you in your coaching journey then with your aspirations and goals? What, what's left for Anna Richards to do? What would you like to do? <laughs> what's left? I've only just started, Lisa. <laughs> yes, of course you have. What, what, I'm what, still what, learning. I'm still learning. I've only just started. Um, this year I'm uh, coaching with Richie Walker, the Auckland provincial team, the Auckland Storm. And wow. our FPC in New Zealand, so um, I'm lucky enough to be assistant coach to Richie. So I'm I'm planning on learning a lot from him. He's just um, won the uh, the major rugby league in America with Seattle, so he's on a bit of a high, which is cool. Um, uh, other than that, I suppose it's just to keep learning. You know, it would be wonderful to get a a, a full time coaching job here in New Zealand, but there's just really not enough. Well, there's nothing here. So if I want a full-time coach, I'd probably have to go overseas. Um, otherwise, do what I'm doing now, which is I'm, the, I'm doing some work for the Auckland Rape Union as a women's development manager, um, player development manager, and then uh, I coach for free on the side. So, so tell me about that. Go go back first of all, Anna. So go back to um, your coaching with Richie in the Auckland Storm. So what, what does that actually look like? What, what will that involve? Uh, so uh, Auckland Storm are part of the FPC, which is Farah Palmer Cup. It's our, it's our national provincial competition. So there's seven teams in their premier grade. And that's basically a round robin with semi-final and final. So Canterbury are the uh, have won it the last two years convincingly. They are they are a great team, and yeah. uh, it'd be great for us to. Um, Auckland didn't have the greatest year last year, so Richie and I are really hoping that um, we can get the girls up, fired up for a really good season this year. Wow, that sounds really exciting! I look forward to hearing about that. And um, and with regards to um, coaching um, any national sides, would you be interested in those if they came up? Oh, look, you're always interested in that, um, but unfortunately they come up very rarely. So, you know, I'll keep my keep my ear to the um, ground to hear of anything. But I don't know. I just keep on going. I was, you know, very very 
privileged to be part of the Barbarian setup this year and, um, you know, coaching with you as well, Bertie, was great. And, and Donna, so I think I learned a lot just in those brief brief periods of, of getting together with the Barbars and I, and I really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Those invitational sides and, and the Barbarians was just phenomenal. That group of players that we had the privilege of working with was just, just great. And long may that continue. Um, you know, and, then, and, you know, I suppose what, what the, what's exciting you now? One other question I want to ask you, what's really exciting you about the women's game? I suppose what's exciting me here in, in Auckland is the amount of just outrageous talent and, you know, these young girls that I've come across here, 16-year-old girls who are just outrageously talented. And I'm, I'm like, wow, it, it kind of excites me and, and I wish I was playing again <laughs> just to play with them. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty cool and, um, yeah, just, just the, the beast that's coming, coming out, of, out of Auckland at the moment is very cool. And why do you think that is? Why do you think they're so talented? Look, I think they're always there, but rugby's gained a, a wider audience in, in New Zealand and it's a real viable alternative to what was always the number one sport here, which was netball and hockey. Um, and now with the Blackfern Sevens girls contracted and the Blackferns contracted, you know, and the Sevens going to the Olympics, it's a real, you know, before the girls who played rugby, when I started, were the girls who hadn't quite made it at any of the other sports they tried. You know, so it was, rugby was your third, fourth choice. Now it's a, it's a lot of the kids' first choice. And so that's probably why we're seeing a lot better athletes. And do you, do you think because there's a lot of women's role models now, especially in New Zealand, uh, do, do you think that helps as well with these with the young girls to see that it's actually a career they can make out of rugby? Well, again, it, you know, that's a media thing and the media are actually getting better at covering, you know, sports, especially the sevens. Like, I think the sevens have been huge role models for us. You know, Sarah Herini is amazing, just played 200 games. Um, yeah. And they're... You know, they're on TV, they're in the papers. Um, the NZA, you've done a real push to get the Black Fern 15s girls out after that wonderful 2017 World Cup that really woke the nation up to how well the Black Ferns can play. So, yeah, I think, you know, having those type of role models and the type of rugby they're playing has really helped us. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's really exciting to see. It's an exciting time for women's rugby and, you know, with so much coverage now. And like I said, really looking forward to the Super Series that's just about to take off soon in America. So, um, yeah, come on, New Zealand. <laughs> come on, the Black yeah. Not sure I'm going to be cheering for because Wales aren't there. But, um, yeah, well, come on, the you Black can, you, can, you can cheer for the Black Ferns, Bertie. No definitely. Worries. I always cheer for the Black Ferns, most definitely. And, and the English girls that play for Hartbury. Yeah, get in there. Yes, good girls. But um, Anna, it's been absolutely a real privilege, and thank you so much for giving up with your time to talk to us over here. Um, and if you want to hear, hear more, just visit rugbycoachweekly.net, click on the podcast button, and visit the women's section. Thanks for listening, and look forward to catching up again with you all. Thanks so much, Anna. Have a great time in Kiwiland today. Thanks, Birdie. Good to talk. You too. Cheers. <laughs>